You're listening to Market Scale Software and Electronics. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I have the pleasure of having a conversation with Dan Kui, the CMO for the Aurora Project at Psyonix. Dan, how are you today? Oh, pretty good. And you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. Uh, do me a favor. Give me your elevator pitch. How did you wind up at Psyonix? Uh, I was actually Psyonix, one of Psyonix's largest customers over the last few years and has launched uh, several other night vision products into the marketplace using the Psyonix sensor. And so when Psyonix uh, looked to market their own product, they came and asked me if I would help them out uh, and bring this one to market. So how long have you been with Aurora? Um, well, the Aurora project uh, was started oh, probably... 18 months ago, you know, it takes a little while to get uh, to get product uh, designed and, and get it into production and that sort of thing. So um, I was brought on board, um, before, you know, um, December of last year to uh, put together the marketing program for the uh, project. So, you, you know, what's really interesting is you handle all the marketing and sales for the Aurora project, which means you're constantly figuring out ways to explain things. So this is going to work out really great for me because <laughs> I'm going to need some things explained. Okay. Well, I'll try. Well, let's talk about um, about your history a little bit in the industry overall. You have quite a bit of experience in the quote-unquote wearables segment. Tell me a little bit about how that led you to this sort of natural progression into the Aurora project. Yeah. So years ago, um, you know, we were doing different types of wearables. And at that point in time, it was more audio uh, wireless wearable devices. And uh, then we, we happened, uh, my, my partners and I happened to come across a, a new type of technology that was basically wearable glasses that would allow you to have a big screen uh, in front of your eyes uh, when you plugged into your iPhone or your your tablets or your other cell phones. Um, and so you could get like a 65-inch TV screen in front of your eyes with these glasses, and you could enjoy the movies instead of looking at a small screen back at that time because, you know, 15 years ago, screens were pretty small. Um, <clears throat> so we basically took that and we... Um, we started, uh, I actually started talking to Google in 2007, and, and that was before Android and other companies and talking about how wearable glasses that were video glasses at the time, how these things could actually be merged with new technology that was coming around, like mobile operating, smart operating systems that were going on phones like Android and other types of devices to create something that not only showed you video, but also enabled you to get computerized data to your eyes. And that was that was uh, the basis for what, what is now called augmented reality. Um, a lot of our work and our patents at the company were sold to Google for Google Glass. Um, so, you know, one thing led to another. And, and uh, in the world of augmented reality and virtual reality, you're always looking for a niche to define yourself different than the big companies who are trying to play in the space. Night vision was a way to do that. So that's how I got into it. One, I want to stick with wearables and, and this idea for just one more second before we move on. You know, at some point, shoes were considered wearables. And then right. they become so ubiquitous and so normal that we don't consider shoes wearables anymore. And I think the biggest challenge that the wearables market has had is not the way they look, 
but the functionality they provide, it's got to be seamless. It has to have a pure function. And I think that kind of how, you know, you have to whittle down, okay, what all can this wearable do? You have to pick a side, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the issues with technology. Um, too often, you know, people who make technology, and, and I'm one of them, right? But those of us who make technology are so enamored with our own technology that we go out and we are actually technology looking for a home. And Bluetooth started that way. Bluetooth in the beginning had a very difficult time um, trying to trying to figure out its space and what it was going to do. And it took a, a long time for that to come about. Um, so it's no different than any of the other technology that you see coming around. Um, and and as a marketeer, you know, I try to look at things differently. It's not so much um Somebody comes up to me and says, oh, you've, we've got this new technology and, and you're going to push this technology. It's no, let's find the use cases. Let's find what people do every day that we can apply the technology to. And they're there. And therefore, we're not we're not touting technology for the sake of this is this is new technology. But I've got a way to solve your problem. I got a way to help you with your everyday issues and make and make that better for you. And and so I've always tried to come about it that way um, to make technology not instead of having to look for a home, but try to to show where the home can be and then get consumers or industrial folks or whoever it may be uh, to realize that it can help them every day. One of the major applications that I have seen as a current thread or current trend is automation. Everybody wants to automate something. That's the buzzword. And but it's a buzzword, but that's a really broad term, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. And automation and I, and I, I certainly because I'm a technologist, I, I don't like to speak negative about automation per se. But, you know, there's there 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 is something there that you have to be careful of. Um, all too many people today readily accept technology and automation, um, you know, without even thinking twice about it. And, and one of the things that you, you tend to realize is that you tend to lose the skill sets that, that help you get to where you're at and help you understand how to actually work problems if you didn't have that technology around. And I think we need to be careful of that. We can't lose the skill set for the basis and the underpinnings of how we solve problems. And we always have to remember that. One thing I always think when I think about automation is what's the point? And to me, the point of automating a process or some sort of procedure is to free up either mind processing power or computer processing power or just physical labor that I can apply to something else that is beneficial that I need right. to do to progress. Not I'm just passing something off so I don't have to think about it anymore. Right. Exactly. And, and and that's part of what I was saying previously, which is, you know, we remember we need to remember how we got there from, you know, uh, or how we got here from there. And we need to use the technology intelligently so that it's solving the mundane type of things for us on a daily basis. So we can f focus our energies on the things that are really important. Another thing that that technology, I think, is is really exists to accomplish is to increase effectiveness, uh, to help us as humans be better, whether it's in our jobs or just in, in recreation, having fun. And 
I think the concept of technology and automation and molding that, melding it with wearables brings us to the Aurora night camera. I'm going to, I'm going to make right. a statement and then I'm going to turn okay. it loose. And the statement is this, <laughs> right. the number one primal fear of human beings is the dark, but half of our lives are spent surrounded by that. Tell me how the Aurora night camera can be utilized to help me get through that challenge. Yeah. And I'll probably preface that in saying, you know, I, I always view that I was born 50 years too early. I, I wish I was, uh, I wish I had these sort of toys when I was a kid because I did so many crazy things um, and we had no way of capturing them back then. Um, and, you know, and, uh, today what Aurora does, it, it helps you realize um, not so much because we're trying to put technology in your hand, but you know, the, 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 your life doesn't end or the day doesn't end when the sun goes down, right? You have so many things that you're doing all day and all night. And what we want to do is give you a way of capturing that or those life's moments. We want to give you a way of playing through the day and night, the way that you would like to play. And then being able to share those with people, uh, your friends and families and, and, and everybody, um, if, if you choose to do so. You know, that's almost a redefinition of augmented reality. You're not putting a layer over my reality. You're actually helping me experience my actual reality a little more clearly. Yeah, you know, I, 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 um, I love to, to, uh, say that, uh, instead of giving you another, another computing device that's going to keep you indoors all day, we're giving you something so you can go out and play. I have to say, you would have ruined hide and seek in my neighborhood if this had been around back then. <laughs> you know, I keep, I keep telling folks, capture the flag would be awesome with a, with a, a camera like this. And the ability to share those experiences really removes this from the realm of just strict technology and brings it into social contact. Yes. Um, you know, one of the things that the Aurora camera is capable of doing is it actually, um, through the use of augmented reality in conjunction with your cell phone, will actually track teams. So if there are four or five of you that are, that are out in the woods playing or doing whatever you want to do, if you move the camera, it'll actually show you where the other players are. Uh, so you can always keep track of your team members and things. So, you know, again, for, for team sports, for uh, hunting, fishing, all types of recreation, there are different ways to use this. And, and, and again, it's not, it's not that it's trying to take away from what you're doing. It's helping you become uh, actually helping you to be more safe and have a lot more fun. So as we're talking about the way that technology can help us be more efficient in our jobs and also in our play, let's talk about a job that a lot of people think is the combination of work and play, and that's art, whether it's performance art or television or movies or theatrical productions, outdoor plays. This technology could really change the way we approach that art, couldn't it? Yeah, it you know it. Um, I guess it can do it on a couple of fronts. So one, you know, as a user of the technology and you're filming art and you're doing those sort of things, um, that's one way. Another way is as a creator. Um, you know, the the capability, the night vision mode of this, um, the way it operates, it operates in a in a, a part of the infrared spectrum that's just beyond visible light. 
and there's a lot of information that's just beyond the visible spectrum and you're able to capture that and, and it can show you things that you might not have seen before. As an example, I was up last week up towards the Arctic Circle, the last Canadian city before the Arctic Circle, filming the Aurora Lights. And there was a couple things that happened. Um, I could actually see different colors because I was using infrared that you normally don't see with the naked eye. And then if I went to full night vision mode, I could actually see more streams of energy coming through the clouds that you couldn't see with the naked eye or with other cameras. So there's a, you know, both users and creators have a way of using this camera. Basically, you've figured out a way to make people's vision superhuman. You're turning people into Superman. Yeah, there we go. Yep. <laughs> All I need now is a cape. I like that. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what? I think I saw one laying around here from last Halloween. I'll, I'll, I'll put that in a box and send it to you. So <laughs> Sounds good. So you've, you've basically made a huge jump in, in the advancement of technology in this particular use case. Now I want you to take your thinking cap and turn it towards the future. What do you think is the next jump that the industry makes? You know, um, I, you know, I've been asked this question several times, and, and and certainly I'm probably not the only one that feels this way too. But you know, one of the most, uh, one of the largest jumps in technology, and, and especially in, in the things that have changed people's lives, have been cell phones. Um, you know, a cell phone now, um, I like to call it as an adaptive, uh, techno technological adaptive human trait, in that. You put this thing in your hand. Now you're bent over. You're doing things. You pull it out of your pocket. It's changed the way you your body physically moves. It's changed the way that your your posture happens to be positioned. It's changed the way that you do things. And of course, nobody can do away with their cell phone. I think the next generational types of products that will be coming out, um, which will become embedded in devices like you know glasses and those sort of things, that actually. Are, are more form-fitting. Um, they have a look and feel that is is not geeky. Um, those things are going to change the way that people um, react in the world. And you might even see the elimination of the cell phone at that point in time, because then it's all built into a pair of wearables, sunglasses, and things like that, that, that you know, you don't have the need for this thing you carry in your pocket or your purse. Um, same thing with, with night vision technology, why we're quite a ways away from that. Being able to see in low light and the darkness has huge um, applications uh, for anybody. Um, if you're driving down the road, look how many times you can't see because of glare in those things or or walking through the park or you've lost things or I mean, there's just so many different applications for for enhancing your personal life as well as safety um, for this technology that if we're able to get to the point where we can embed these in a form fitting type of glasses that that, you know, has a, a look and feel that's normal instead of, you know, geeky, then I think you'll see a, another huge step. You know, it's it sounds like we are at the edge of an evolutionary move of bringing our glances back up. Instead of looking down at our phones, we actually have the possibility of creating an actual heads-up display 
so that we can actually see the things that are around us. That sounds like old man, hey, kids, get off my lawn back in my day. But that's a that's a critical change. That's a that's a human interaction change. Yeah, it it really is. Um, I mean, it, you know, anybody can go stand on the corner and watch how people act with their cell phones today. And you'll find people tripping over themselves, bumping into people, um, you know, having dinner and everything. Everybody's got their cell phone on the table next to them. And at some point in time, you know, that's got to change, in my opinion, um, because we've disconnected ourselves from society in some ways. I mean, there are countries um, that have problems with their young, uh, um, you know, kids and everything that that these people don't know how to these kids don't know how to communicate socially anymore because they've spent all their time playing with their own tablets, devices locked in their rooms and that sort of thing. So that's got to change. And and part of that change not only is technology like what we're offering, but the wearable technology when it gets to a point and there are many companies working on it, but it gets to a point where you could put on something wearable like a set of glasses Go out and do the things that you would normally do without changing the physiology of, of, of what humans are supposed to be doing. I'm going to put you in a hypothetical situation as the last question of the day. Where would you like to walk in the dark just to see and have the experience of seeing it without floodlights and street lights? Where would you like to go? Anywhere on Earth? I would like to find the darkest spot on this planet um, where you're, you, there's absolutely zero interference from city lights or any type of artificial lights and just put a blanket down, a bottle of wine and look up and watch the stars. You know what? I think you may have just uh, created your own cottage industry. You might be able to set up tours for that. <laughs> there we go. Right. I mean, with all your free time, you know, you might as well have another job, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, today I've had the pleasure of having a conversation with Dan Kui. He's the CMO for the Aurora Project at Psionics. Dan, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really have enjoyed this, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much, and thanks for the opportunity to, to speak with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.